Welcome to OCS Field Guide, the podcast that helps you study smarter for the OCS exam. Hello, future board certified specialists, and welcome back. Today, we're going to get into the messy world of low back pain. But first, two brief personal notes. First, if you've wondered where Austin's soothing voice has been since the introductory episode, I'll fill you in. Austin just bought a house, so he's been spending all his free time tearing up old carpet and sanding and repairing hardwood floors. So while we are learning about back pain, Austin is choosing to experience it. You'll have to put up with just me for a short while longer, and then Austin will be returning. Second, I want to encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We plan to post some material, particularly on Instagram, that is exclusive to social media, and I don't want you to miss it. So now, on to back pain. Today we're introducing the 2012 Low Back Pain Clinical Practice Guideline. All of the Clinical Practice Guidelines, or CPGs, are critically important for you to review. This is for two main reasons. First, one main goal of the OCS exam is to evaluate whether the test takers are up to date on the latest evidence. The CPGs are summaries and analysis of what the orthopedic section of the APTA believes to be the most relevant research on a given topic. So instead of trying to look up every article on low back pain and synthesize all the conflicting research, you can just look at the CPG, where the authors have done it for you. The second reason you need to know the CPGs is because the OCS questions are written by busy clinicians like Austin and me, and each question has to be written with a citation from a quality reference. So where is Austin going to go to find material to write an OCS question after he's spent all day pulling up carpet and sanding floors? He's probably going to use the easiest source available, the CPGs. One big caveat about the CPGs is that they are technically only good for about five years. Since there's new research coming out all the time, after a few years, the CPG no longer reflects all of the evidence available. The low back pain guideline was written in 2012, so it's long overdue for an update. You should still read it and know it, because busy OCS question writers are going to use it for question material. But you also need to know some of the big articles that have been published since 2012. So we're going to do some special episodes soon, where we cover some of those articles as well. Since we think it would be a good idea for you to read all the CPGs on your own, we're going to focus our time in this podcast reading and summarizing the most important parts of the CPGs. This will help reinforce the material and clue you into what we think is the most important to know. Today, we're going to cover the CPG sections on prevalence, risk factors, and clinical course of low back pain. First, prevalence. We all know back pain is a big problem, and it's getting worse. The OCS exam is going to be more interested in what you know about diagnosis, prognosis, and treatment than what you know about prevalence, so you shouldn't expect a ton of questions on low back pain prevalence. With that in mind, we're going to discuss just the highlights, and then we're going to recap at the end of each section. So point one, 
chronic back pain is becoming more common. In 1992, prevalence was estimated at 3.9%. In 2006, it was at 10.2%. So prevalence is increasing. Point two, individuals who have activity-limiting low back pain often experience recurring episodes with estimates ranging from 24% to 33%. So if you have a patient case on the OCS exam where an individual has had a history of activity-limiting low back pain and suddenly has a recurrence, you shouldn't necessarily panic and send them back to a spine surgeon. Remember that recurrences are normal. Next point, women tend to have a higher prevalence of back pain than men. Also, prevalence increases as we age up to 60 to 65 years old. After that, prevalence no longer increases. This is perhaps counterintuitive because degeneration continues to get worse after 65 years old, but pain does not. Next, lower education status is associated with increased prevalence of back pain, longer duration, and worse outcome. So there's some socioeconomic factors that increase the chance for developing low back pain. And finally, occupational status affects prevalence, with higher physical demanding jobs being associated with more low back pain than more sedentary jobs. So to summarize, chronic back pain is spreading. Recurrences are normal for those who have activity-limiting low back pain. And at least to some degree, women, older individuals up to 65 years old, those with lower education, and those with more physical jobs demonstrate higher prevalence of low back pain. Let's move on to risk factors. Risk factors affect prognosis, which is something the OCS exam is going to test. So pay close attention to factors that may lead to a worse prognosis, a better prognosis, or factors that are just distractors but have no effect on prognosis. First, physical risk factors. Point one, there is some evidence that back pain is associated with operating heavy equipment. Point two, cardiovascular risk factors, like hypertension, smoking, obesity, and being overweight, are associated with sciatica. Point three, degenerative changes on MRI, myelography, and CAT scans are not strongly related to low back pain symptoms. We'll talk more about this later. But for now, remember, if you're comparing two patients and one has a much worse-sounding MRI, those imaging findings won't necessarily correspond to worse symptoms or a worse prognosis. And finally, the CPG reads, there is inconclusive evidence for a relationship between trunk muscle strength or mobility of the lumbar spine and the risk of low back pain. This is counterintuitive to us as PTs, so keep that in mind. To summarize, operating heavy equipment and cardiovascular risk factors are associated with back pain and sciatica respectively, but degenerative changes on imaging is not. Evidence is inconclusive on trunk muscle strength and lumbar mobility. 
Next, let's move on to psychosocial factors. The CPG reads, Psychosocial factors appear to play a larger prognostic role than physical factors in low back pain. So this is very important to know. Point one, there is some evidence to suggest that fear may play a role when pain has become persistent. Point two, there is a growing consensus that distress slash depression plays an important role at early stages, and clinicians should focus on these factors. I'll repeat, the CPG says clinicians should focus on these factors. So if you get a case where a patient is showing signs of distress and depression, you cannot ignore it. This might mean educating the patient to reduce distress or fear avoidance, or it might mean referring the patient to a healthcare provider equipped to treat depression. Third, expectations of recovery is a predictor of return to work. Patients with higher expectations of recovery had fewer absences from work than those with lower expectations. And finally, an active coping style is associated with a better outcome. The CPG also notes that higher pain intensity is associated with worse outcomes. And then it lists some factors that appear to have no association with back pain prognosis. This includes a prior history of back pain, smoking, and comorbidities. The CPG reads, quote, the clinical course for patients with comorbidities who may seem more complicated at the start of treatment is just as favorable as for those without such comorbidities. So we talked about cardiovascular risk factors in smoking as being associated with sciatica, but they apparently have no effect on back pain prognosis or the clinical course of low back pain. So to summarize, Psychosocial factors are more important risk factors than physical risk factors, and they need to be addressed. Expectation of recovery is an important predictor of recovery. High pain intensity is associated with worse outcomes, and comorbidities appear to have no association with back pain prognosis. And this really emphasizes how important the psychosocial factors are. If comorbidities are irrelevant to recovery, but patient expectation is predictive of recovery, then we need to be addressing those patient fears and expectations. So what's the point of all of this? Well, you could get a patient case with a lot of information, and then a question might ask you which factor has the greatest influence on the patient's prognosis. For example, take John. John is a 48-year-old male smoker who works a sedentary job. He has 4 out of 10 central low back pain that's been going on for 8 weeks. He received an MRI 4 weeks ago that showed severe degenerative disc disease in L3 through 5. He reports that he thinks this is just part of getting older and there's probably nothing he can do about it except avoid making things worse. John is the sole provider for 3 children. What factor has the greatest influence on his prognosis? Is it his age, his smoking status, his work status, his family status, his pathoanatomical changes, or his psychosocial status? Hopefully you recognize some warning signs of fear avoidance and passive coping in this case. 
smoking status, sedentary job, and MRI findings are all distractors that sound like they would indicate a poor prognosis, but really they have no effect here. Psychosocial factors play a much bigger role. Let's conclude by covering the clinical course of low back pain. The CPG discusses how back pain can be acute, subacute, or chronic, but since recurrences are so frequent, it can be difficult to group people into those categories neatly. So the CPG summarizes some really important risk factors for developing recurrent or chronic low back pain. It reads, Clinicians should also consider screening for and addressing factors that increase the probability of developing recurrent or chronic low back pain. Prognostic factors for development of recurrent pain include 1. History of previous episodes, 2. Excessive spine mobility, and 3. Excessive mobility in other joints. I'll read that again. Prognostic factors for development of recurrent pain include 1. History of previous episodes, 2. Excessive spine mobility, and 3. Excessive mobility in other joints. Then it goes on to talk about chronic pain. Prognostic factors for development of chronic pain include 1. Presence of symptoms below the knee 2. Psychological distress or depression 3. Fear of pain, movement, and re-injury, or low expectations of recovery. 4. Pain of high intensity. And 5. A passive coping style. Once more, prognostic factors for development of chronic pain include 1. Presence of symptoms below the knee. 2. Psychological distress or depression. 3. Fear of pain, movement, and re-injury or low expectation of recovery. 4. Pain of high intensity. And 5. A passive coping style. You will notice that this generally lines up with the risk factors associated with back pain in general, but because recurrent and chronic low back pain are so costly, the CPG says, quote, clinicians should place high priority on interventions that prevent recurrences and the transition to chronic low back pain. So with that in mind, it's very important that you can recognize risk factors for developing recurrent and chronic low back pain and address them. Since the CPG says clinicians need to place a high priority on interventions that prevent recurrent and chronic back pain, you might get a back pain case like this. Jane is a 25-year-old female with onset of 6 out of 10 central low back pain two weeks ago after overdoing it working in the yard. She reports that the pain grabs her suddenly, so she's afraid to move or do anything because she thinks her back might go out and never go back in again. Her pain does not peripheralize with movement. She has hypomobility at L4 and L5 with spring testing, and her hip internal rotation is 40 degrees bilaterally. What intervention should be performed first? A. Traction B. Manipulation C. Mobilization or D. Education on the inherent strength in her spine and overall positive prognosis of low back pain. You will notice that several of these answers are perfectly appropriate treatment. 
you could pretty much answer anything but traction here and have some evidentiary basis for doing so. She meets the clinical prediction rule for lumbar manipulation, so manipulation would be appropriate. Although manipulation has been shown to produce faster results than mobilization, there's also evidence that mobilization would be appropriate. But education is the most important treatment here. She demonstrates a very high level of fear of movement, and we need to address that to reduce the chance of developing chronic pain. Let's do one more case. Jim is a 17-year-old gymnast with a history of back pain off and on for several years. He had an increase in symptoms in his back and buttock three weeks ago after increasing his gymnastic training. His pain gets worse with activity, but doesn't go away fully with rest either. Jim's active range of motion reveals full lumbar range of motion with pain at the end range. Spring testing reveals hypermobility in his lumbar spine with mild pain at L4 and L5. Jim's Baton score is a 7. Which of the following conditions is Jim at increased risk of having or developing? Is it ankylosing spondylitis, cancer, chronic pain, or recurrent back pain? Jim meets all the risk factors for developing recurrent back pain. He has a history of back pain, he has hypermobility in his lumbar spine, and his Baton score, which assesses joint hypermobility, is a 7 out of a possible 9 points. Remember that a score of at least 5 indicates hypermobility on the Baton scale. So let's finish up with a quick episode recap. Point 1. There's no clearly defined cause for low back pain, and prevalent studies are unclear. However, prevalence seems to be greater for women, aging individuals up to 65 years old, and those with lower education status, and those with physical jobs. Point two, evidence for physical risk factors is also conflicting, but operating heavy machinery appears to be associated with low back pain, and cardiovascular risk factors appear to be associated with sciatica. In contrast, Degeneration on imaging appears to have no association with risk or prognosis. Next, psychosocial factors are more important than physical risk factors. These include fear, distress and depression, low expectations of recovery, and passive coping styles. And finally, PTs need to be able to recognize and address prognostic factors leading to recurrent pain and chronic back pain. That wraps up our discussion on prevalence, risk factors, and clinical course of low back pain. We're going to continue to work through some highlights of the low back pain CPG and cover some of those additional important articles published after 2012 in the coming episodes. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to OCS Field Guide. Don't forget to subscribe and then head to physiofieldguide.com for practice questions and more resources.